be subject to Multiple people were arrested tonight at the Capitol following a sit-in at Governor DeSantis's office. Their goal was to meet with the governor to discuss a legislative session that they say is attacking minority and LGBTQ plus communities. Wake up Florida! The activist group Green Defenders says their rights are under attack during this legislative session. Rights related to education, voting, housing, and more. In response to bills this session targeting diversity and inclusion, the Dream Defenders staged today's sit-in. Ashley Green, an organizer with the Dream Defenders, says they would rather be spending their time in their communities, but they feel the protests are necessary. People are trying to figure out how to pay their electric bill. People are trying to figure out how to put food on the table. And we think that's what our politicians should be focused on. What keeps the lights on and what puts food in people's mouths, clothes on people's backs, not what can divide us across this country and across this state. Welcome to Why Are We Like This, the true crime podcast that treats Florida like the active crime scene it is. My name is David Quinones, and you know my co-host. I'm fresh off of putting some money on his books, Tomas Kennedy. Tomas, what's up, man? We're going to talk about a, a, an actual crime scene today, so exactly. Yeah, <laughs> with your with your, uh, with your trace DNA left all over it. And of course, we are joined by our other co-host, the Why Are We Like This Den Mother, who spent the entire night worrying about our beautiful boy, uh, Gerald Doherty. Jer, how are you, man? I'm doing okay. Uh, when they said he's free, I thought they meant Andrew Gillum, but now I'm here, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Why? Yeah, why are we talking about Tomas right now? Like we should be talking about the real he's innocent, yeah. Andrew Gillum. But no, we're not. Uh, let's cut to the chase. Uh, this is an unplanned or barely planned episode. If you follow us on social media or pay any attention to Florida politics on Twitter, you know that a group of citizens and activists had spent uh, some of the last few days occupying Governor Ron DeSantis's office. And yesterday, the uh, the hammer came down and the handcuffs came out, and one of the um, one of the individuals uh taken into i guess tallahassee pd custody was our own thomas kennedy um t maybe you forgot to introduce ryan and of course joining us i'll I'll edit this so that it sounds a little bit less awkward um ryan ray joining us again from tallahassee thomas and ryan shoulder to shoulder uh in solidarity and um you know fresh out of the clink back to Uh, back ryan yeah yeah man you know it's always a good back to back Ryan, Ryan, Ryan can't find it. Ryan can't find his keys and wants to see if he left them here. <laughs> <laughs> Just wandered back in, yeah. guys. All this trick in the book. Yeah. <laughs> no, what, what, what viewers don't understand is that we have like a virtual studio that we use, and what happened is that like. We nobody told Ryan to leave at the end of last episode, so he just stayed staring into his his Zoom camera. Yeah. Yeah. For the last week, thank you for the hospitality. <laughs> Um, so now let's cut right to the chase uh, and talk about um, the goings on of, of what happened. T, why don't you set us up and just kind of explain what happened last night? So basically, you know, we I'm part of a constellation of organizations and activists that work on a myriad of issues, right? Whether it's LGBTQ rights, abortion rights, immigrant rights, unions, worker rights, uh, you know, government transparency. And we're fucking frustrated because this has been the worst legislative session that I I think in recent Florida history. You know, we've we've seen uh, abortion bans passed, preemption bills against the ability of local government to make, you know, rules to protect workers, to stop anti-pollution 
just stop, sorry, uh, pollution from uh, big companies. We've seen uh, anti-immigrant laws, uh, attacks on, on higher education institutions uh, that pre prevent them from teaching topics like gender studies and, you know, like racism and the history of it in our country. Just a, a myriad of, of attacks against trans individuals, not allowing them to use the bathroom of their choosing, not allow, allowing them to get the gender, gender affirming care that they seek. Uh, so it's been a horrible session. Uh, the... The legislative process here has been a sham for years now, but it's worse than ever. I mean, you've seen committees where when discussing things like an abortion ban, uh, public comment gets, uh, you know, uh, struck down to 10 seconds per person. I mean, just ridiculous. You see uh, votes on bad bills being scheduled in the either the Senate or the House before they've been approved to committees, meaning that obviously they know how the committee votes are going to go because they're yeah. pre-cooked and pre-ordained. It's um, a farce. And, and, you know, we're, we wanted to meet with the governor. We want to meet with his office and uh, as constituents, uh, uh, you know, tell them like, a, what, you know, how harmful uh, these, these bills have been, how harmful these practices are to our democracy. Uh, and just ask them to please, you know, tackle issues uh, that Floridians are facing, whether it's, you know, the property insurance uh, rates that we have talked about in this podcast, the in unaffordable rental and housing costs, the lack of public transportation, the sabotaging of public education, you know, all of these things that are leading to a decline of quality of life here in Florida. So we decided to basically stage a sit-in uh, at the governor's office. Uh, and not leave until we can speak with either him or, or somebody uh, high up. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much sets the stage to what happened yesterday. So describe to us like how, uh, you know, like for, for those of us that did, for those who are listening and didn't catch on to the euphemism, uh, at the, the euphemisms that we were using at the beginning of the episode, um, like so many of these kinds of actions, it, it resulted in um, arrests. Tomas was arrested, um, booked, right? You were fully, were you, were you completely booked into uh, like the, I guess it's that. What county? Collier County, or I'm sorry, what Leon is it? County uh, booked uh, Leon might, County. That's what I mean. Booked, I might add, in in the cabinet meeting room. Yeah. So basically, you know, it was it was about a hundred over a hundred of us, I'd say, from different organizations. Uh, that basically, we walked to uh, the governor's office. We lined up uh, in the hallway leading to the entrance, and then about fourteen of us uh, sat down and blocked the entrance. Uh, and it it was really. Just, um, you know, really, like not shocking, but just I, I would say outrageous seeing all the lobbyists, right? And the special interest hats, yeah. you know, the, the, the men in suits that were walking in and out of there uh, throughout yeah. the day. And, you know, uh, at some point. Who we, did have that, who do have access, who right, do enjoy access. At some point we actually yeah. obstructed the entrance. So they were having, they had to find other ways of getting in there. It was difficult for them to get in. But exactly, David, if you're you know, lobbyists from Mosaic or FPL or Geo Group or any of these, you know, big companies, no problem. Like you are in there, you're meeting with the, with the stakeholders, you're getting your agenda through. But if you're like a working class Floridian or one of these community organizations that are membership based, it's impossible to get a meeting. And that's why we did this at the end of session, by the way, after we've exhausted all recourse, because for average everyday working class Floridians, it is impossible to get that meeting. So basically we were there um, 
from about what time would you say, Ryan? Like one from like one thirty p.m. until about seven thirty p.m. Sitting there, you know, very peaceful, you know, very dignified. We're chanting civil rights songs, try, being nonviolent. You know, we didn't want to create a uh, an escalated scene that could be misconstrued as us being violent or whatever. Uh, but we stay there, you know, uh, we were not moved. And about 7.30, when both of the Senate and House sessions were over, they basically were like, you have 30 minutes to leave or you'll be arrested, uh, you know, without having any sort of meeting or, or being heard. And we decided to take the arrest. Um, and they came in with about over, well over, maybe 75 police officers, some of them carrying AR-15s, riot gear. Uh, you know, arrested all of us, zip tied us, uh, marched us in the into the cabinet room, uh, where is you know where the governor and the statewide elected officers meet, and they had like a whole processing center, which was a fucking mess. We can talk about that. Uh, they booked us, they put us on a bus like a paddy wagon, sent us to Leon County Jail, uh, and uh, from there we had to be rebooked because Capitol Police fucked up the booking process that took them about two hours to do. Um, in fact, you know, some of the other, uh, police from other jurisdictions were complaining about the incompetence of, uh, Capitol police. And, um, and we were, we, we, the 14 of us are banned from the Capitol for a year. Uh, so we cannot go back into the Capitol, a, a taxpayer funded building. And we were released about 3.30 AM. I'd say Ryan was there waiting for us. Um, and yeah. We we are finally released after being put in a holding cell, booked, mugshot, all of that. I want to I want to get into uh, I want us to talk about sort of these bigger, broader um, dynamics that are at play that obviously we talk about on the show all the time, and that necess- necessitated this kind of civil disobedience. But one thing I want to do that I think is very that I never hear people talk about are the contours of a situation like this, and I think that people hear about the story that you just that you just told, and they're like, it seems daunting. People who maybe are, are thinking like, how do I affect the change? How do I at least how do I at least go down in flames, fighting, right. swinging? You know, and I I can say personally for me, I was a journalist for a long time during those formative years when like you know people are doing those things, and I never like I oh, could never could never you know be a part of something like that. Uh, would have violated like twenty different statutes in my employee handbook, um, and I just wonder like. Can you walk us through, like, how, how are those decisions made when you guys are like, you know what, we're going to accept it. If, if, if they come and arrest us, we're going to do this. Is that a decision that's made beforehand? Are there some people who maybe have dicier records and are like, you know what, no, guys, you do it, but I, I, I can't. Or, like, how, how, how do you guys go through that, um, that like, that, that, uh, that, that pro-con of, like, what, what, what you do, like, to, how you make the decision of, yeah, well, of going when, down like When that. you're involved in advocacy organizing, a common term that's used is called the arc of escalation, right? And that's dependent on, you know, like the tenor, the tone and the needs of your, you know, campaign. Um, and yeah, you know, when we, when a lot of us, different organizations were preparing for legislative session, you know, we, we sort of drew an arc of escalation that involves, you know, how hard do you want to go at any point, right? Whether it's just like, being respectable at a committee meeting or staging a protest at a district office, you know, putting out, you know, radio ads or TV ads or uh, newspaper ads, you know, how, how hard do you want to go against your target? Um, and, you know, we, we, there was a consideration for doing civil disobedience because of 
just how aggressive and how violent and harmful this legislative session was. And I think, you know, we held off because there was a lot of organizations that managed to amend uh, different laws to make them less harmful. For example, the immigration bill that we talked about with the Florida Immigrant Coalition, the provision um, that made it a felony for having an undocumented person in your home or car, we managed to take that out. Still a very harmful bill, but that's a good thing, right? But I think towards the end of session, we looked at, you know, where the pieces had fallen, you know, the smoke had cleared and we're like, wow, like this was really fucking destructive and we need to make a statement. You know what I mean? We need to be bold um, because history calls for it. I mean, we are staring down fascists. Um, and, yeah, you know, we as, 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 as a collective, as a group of organizers, a group of like minded people, we decided to you know, risk arrest and just do it. And of course, there's people that are not going to do it because of their immigration status, because of prior records, because of current legal troubles that they may have. But that's a decision that, you know, people have to make on their own um, and, you know, and assess how far they're willing to go. So I wanted to ask, because we talked about with the the expulsions in the North Carolina legislature, there was a get for them to do that. They would get veto proof um, majorities in in the legislature. I have to imagine that if they never called the police to have you guys arrested, that the spotlight on you guys would have been a fraction of what it became after they had you guys, you know, escorted out in in handcuffs. What do you think the political calculation was in having everyone uh, marched out um, and arrested um, who was sitting in when if, if someone, you know, if I'm putting on my Ron DeSantis aid hat, just saying, like, let's just ignore it. And then, you know, the only people who will know that they were ever here were the people who follow them, you know, maybe online. Well, now it's blown up. It's a, it's in like Rolling Stone. Like it's it's you know, it's it's gotten to the national press. And I think it's because they escalated. And uh, speaking of escalation, we've got a, a beautiful. Is that a tabby or? Yeah. Escalating onto the table. It's um, doing a, con- conducting her. Or yes. The, the, is, is in the yeah. shape of a cat. Yeah, if you don't mind, I'll, 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 I do have something to say about this. Yes. Sure. Sure. I mean, they did try to wait us out exactly for the point that you're saying, Gerald. I mean, they started at 1.30 and they waited until 7.30 to arrest us because they don't want to give us the spotlight and the right. attention. And that is the reason why we do things like this, right? To bring attention uh, and to force the media and other stakeholders to to cover these issues and to give us a platform, right? So they they know this, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, we were we're occupying uh, an office and the Capitol building, and they decided to just arrest us instead of just letting us uh, hang out there. And you know, I, I do want to add something here because you know, I, I think most people have been actually really supportive, but I did I did see some some political hacks on on the on the twitter.com saying like you know we should, right. we should be out to registering voters and, and i i find that so off-putting and like like that's like ultimate monday morning quarterbacking what, what a, like, like yeah you have to be to say something like that what a fucking loser yeah you know like you have to give people something to believe in you have to inspire people you have to show them that you're fighting for them and that they have a reason to go out and vote. And there's a long tradition of civil disobedience in this in this country and of taking action, escalated action against corrupt people and unjust laws. You know what I mean? If you look at the civil rights leaders, you know, I'm not comparing myself to a civil rights leaders, but, you know, I'm inspired by them. 
you know, you had people that were, again, you know, getting arrested, disrupting, you know, uh, uh, the powers that be, staging civil disobediences, you know, all over the South and all over this country. And at the same time, those same civil rights leaders were registering voters and were engaging in the electoral process. So we, we have to do everything. But again, like we do have to challenge the powerful. We do have to challenge unjust laws. We do have to give people a reason to believe in us. We And we do have to support good people in office and not like corrupt people. I mean, it's it's like, you know, that, that we, we, uh, we talked about this, but th- that, that quote from Tolstoy's War and Peace, you know, when corrupt people organize themselves to constitute a force, then honest people must do the same. And just, you know, going out there and registering voters willy-nilly without a message and without inspiration, that's just not going to cut it. You know, especially when you're staring down, and I'm sorry, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic, you know, fascists who are denying people's existence, who are engaging in some of the most corrupt pay-to-play practices this state has probably ever seen, who are squeezing working people, you know, literally like tearing the copper wire from the fabric of our society to extract profit from strip mining everything. everything. You know what I mean? Like, no, like we have to take a stance and we have to show these people that we are not going to take it. And also like not to harp on whoever this person was, but A, I would put, I mean, knowing just some of the names of the orgs in the coalition you're talking about, I would put the work that they do in communication, in community engagement up against any, I don't even know what org they represent, but I, I, yeah, but Jerry, I, yeah. you know, that, that almost feels like, that almost feels like the trap, right? right? Because then all of a sudden you're in a conversation about like virtue so, and like, you're, you're like, all just, of a sudden you know, it becomes a tit for tat and that, that's not, that's not what I'm trying to get to. It's also, it also betrays a, a complacency that this is someone who can probably already see 2024 and can see themselves surviving. Obviously, like for people who don't know, my brother is trans. I've read the gender affirming care bans, um, and like what I don't know how anyone who's trans is going to make it in Florida. Like I just straight up don't. Like they they're going to have nowhere to go. For someone to say let's register voters is someone saying I can I can wait it out till twenty twenty four. But not right. everyone who's under assault from these legislative bills is in your position and is not going to be content to just help you register voters who you know. Anyway, sorry. I I want to tap you in here, Ryan. But before that, you know, we talked about this too. The legislature has been harmful here in Florida for a long time, but a lot of their laws for a while were a lot of bark and like not a lot of bite. You know what I mean? This session, I mean, they really did some things that are going to be felt by a wide array of the population, like the union decertification bill, like 60% threshold for like, you know, for your union not to be dissolved. And like the banning of automatic like paycheck deductions, that's really going to fuck with unions with yeah. their ability to, to just exist. The abortion ban, like a six week abortion ban. Yeah. Like, you know, we, we've talked about like, you know, like the miscarriages and, and the cases of rape and incest, you know, and that's all true. But like there's just going to be like a lot of like teenage girls, you know, in this state that are just going to have unwanted pregnancies. You're going to see families across the state all over the state from all demographics and all socioeconomic conditions, but of course it's going to affect the the lower incomes more that are going to have to be dealing with like an unwanted pregnancy and are not going to have a lot of options. That's going to put a lot of societal stress in our state. You know what I mean? Like these people are causing a lot of harm 
and a lot of destruction. And they're ruining what was once, you know, not the best place ever, but like, you know, like I, I, I liked living here, you know, I don't yeah, know me too. Yeah. they're like really causing a lot of harm. Yeah. I mean, that's the reason that we all do what we do is because we love this state. And at a certain point, um, these actions, these direct actions um, put on the record in the book of life, right? In the annals of history that people really strenuously disagreed with this. At a certain point, there's nothing left to say. Um, because, you know, the, the like you said, uh, David, the process has been a sham for a while. I used to cover the Capitol uh, for years, uh, covering state agencies, writing about the legislature for years. And it was always, it always seemed... Um, you know, obviously very one-sided, you got lopsided decisions, but the last year or two, there's been a mean-spiritedness and a complete disregard for what the public's sentiment is. There's almost, there's seemingly no connection to what the average person in the state wants and the public policy outcomes that we get. So I think that um, you're really uh, unilaterally disarming and basically giving up to not do things like Tomas and, and the 13 other brave people um, who did what they did the other day. On my last episode of, of, of Tropical Depression, we had on Lauren Brenzel from Planned Parenthood uh, to mostly talk about um, abortion and the extreme Mississippi, Arkansas style six week near total ban that um, this Republican supermajority and Governor DeSantis have foisted on this on, on a state that does not want it. Um, and Tomas is exactly right. I mean, she talked about a lot of the same stuff. We're turning off mainstream people at this point. This is extremist. Yeah. Um, and certainly what they're doing in the Capitol is um, far more radical, uh, far more obstructionist, and far more um, antithetical to the values of the average person than, than what Tomas and others did. Was talking with, um, was was getting coffee with a really good, for a really close friend of mine, um, just a sort of generically liberal, you know, Democratic voter type guy, not, not really a super political guy. This morning, this morning, and his rejoinder when I was talking about just the state of things, because we do talk politics, culture, whatever. And he was like, you know, nah, that's not going to happen, man. Like, it's, it's all going to get caught up in the courts. That's what always happens. And I told him, and I, and I've, I, I haven't mentioned this on the podcast, but our family right now has a friend, a close friend, who had to book a flight to New York for an abortion. Yep. Because in practice... Whether or not the law passes or it's before a judge or it's pending or any of these like uh, statuses that all of these these squishy statuses where nobody really – by the way, it's own problem where nobody really knows what the fucking law of the land the ambiguity is. ambiguity is itself harm. The ambiguity yeah. itself is, is, is a harm. And we know somebody who needed to get an abortion and is currently in New York getting it. And like it's, it's already happening. These things are – whether or not they're in effect, they're in effect, yeah. practically. You know, I, I was talking about this with somebody else. I, I hear that so much. Like, well, like, I mean, it's unconstitutional. And the, yeah, there's got to be a judge that's going to knock this down. Yeah, my monocle is going to fall into my T if this doesn't get, you know, stricken down by the like, courts. We learn nothing from like the Roe v. Wade like decision. Right. I mean, like, yeah. for decades, we were told. You know, like Roe v. Wade is untouchable. This is like, settled. Yeah. Never do that. Yeah. It's too chaotic. Like, you know, and there were there were people that were warning, obviously, the whole time that, hey, like, the right is playing the long game. And they did. They were appointing judges in, in key positions. They were winning state legislatures. They were filing strategic lawsuits. And they, they were getting Supreme Court justices confirmed. And in the year 2020, uh, 2022, 
they were able to strike down Roe v. Wade. And, and what did yeah. the right say even then? A lot of the right wingers, because they know that this is unpopular, are like, well, hey, all we want, this was their excuse, right? All we want yeah. is for states to be able to pass laws that are culturally and politically in touch with their population. This is more democratic. But then what the fuck did they do immediately after it was stricken down? They filed a national abortion ban at the federal level. Lindsey Graham did it. I was in D.C. when they had that press conference in Congress. So that's all bullshit. Like, if yeah, they have right. the numbers, which they may, they may, may very well may have in the future, they would fucking do it at the federal level. In a heartbeat. Because they Absolutely. want... A, a, a complete and total national abortion ban. So that whole fucking like, oh, like the courts and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't buy it at all because I've seen it. You know what I mean? And so much of like the judicial game is like, like luck, right? Like, where is your like lawsuit going to end up with in front of which judge? You know what I mean? It's like a really dangerous game. Yeah. And, to, and one more, if I, one more point, if I may, when you talk about tactics and, and, and what's a good place to intervene, uh, we've seen play, like Amendment 4, we've seen... Uh, we've seen increases in, in the ability for people to register to vote. But at the same time, we've seen an absence of a platform, of a real alternative, any vehicle to kind of be the opposition to the monolithic Republican preponderance of the supermajority that they have in our state government um, without creating it through actions like this and signaling our values to people. Um, that doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, Obama for America is not walking through those doors, no. folks. We're not getting any fucking help. It, what, 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 what? And Ryan, I would love to like direct this question at you, because the shape and um, the geography of our state is uniquely concerning. And the reason I say that is like the people who uh, broadly just disagree the most with this legislation, and for whom to you know use what uh, Tomas just said a moment ago, culturally in sync, who are least culturally in sync with what's happening in Tallahassee, who are least amenable to um, you know fascism, to corruption, to all of these things that are being foisted on us, are hundreds of miles away. They're down here in Miami. Yep. They're in they're in Fort Lauderdale. They're in Broward County. They're in Orange County. They're in Seminole, right and while we are experiencing this as like sort of creeping authoritarianism, creeping fascism to me, and I hate this fucking word, but it really feels like up there in Tallahassee, you guys are kind of seeing just like, I hate this word, but like a Kafka-esque type of government, right? Where you can't, you can sit in the governor's office for 24 hours straight and not see him, but like see a thousand different movers and shakers go in and out and you Apart from, you know, forcing yourself to get arrested, you might as well be the sh dirt on their shoe. Yeah. It doesn't matter. And it, it really does feel like like classic Kafka, where it's like, what what are the machinations behind these, these doors and these walls that I'm not allowed to look behind? What is behind this opaque structure that's forcing all of this shit down our throat? And it must feel like up is down and like there's no gravity in that, in that city. Because it's so weird the way that we have our state capital so far away from where the people are like affected. I know that, that Tallahassee is a decent sized city. I'm sorry. The majority of our population is in those places that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, definitely. It's disconnected. Uh, you're definitely, I, I've got my copy of Southern Politics and the State of Nation by, by V. O. Key, who It's funny, nothing, everything, there's nothing new under the sun. He talks about this. Uh, this is a classic monograph study of, of, of Southern Politics and a great, a great um, chapter on Florida called Every Man for Himself. Um, and it's about how um, in many ways, so there's structural stuff and then I'll get more programmatic, you know, 
one, our urban cores, like so in a Georgia, you have a, a city that dominates or, or in New York, you know, in, in Georgia, you have Atlanta that has an urban core that's a, that it could really be almost a majority if, if, um, if, if done right. And you've got a, a surrounding state full of exurbs and suburbs and towns and, and rural areas that are less populated. You see the give and take there. Yeah. Here, really, urban dwellers are a clear majority. Democratic oriented urban dwellers are a majority, but it's diffuse. And well-known people in Jacksonville are totally unknown in Fort Lauderdale. Miami politicians, that, people here, I'll tell you what, in a democratic city, urban-oriented city, very familiar with the public sector and very pretty well-educated and well-versed in politics, we have no sense of what is going on in Tampa or, or Miami-Dade politics. That's a big problem. That's a structural, the divide-and-conquer strategy um, absolutely has has stopped, you know, again, and it's, it's been going on for decades, a, a lack of a, of a cohesive body politic or political culture that can stand up to this leads to minority rule because say what you will about the Republican Florida, the Republican party of Florida, but it is a well-developed thing that is cohesive and consistent with itself sure. and a minority yeah. that's well-developed and well-funded enough and, 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 and dedicated enough to abusing the rules to disenfranchise the other side can win. And that's what we're seeing here. I also think that I take heart in that and knowing that a majority of people disagree with what's going on here. I do I do have a suspicion that they have overplayed their hand and that if we get ourselves together, 2024 and 2026 can yield better results. Um, and I'm glad to be working with yeah i mean to your point it reminds me of like it reminds me of like i don't know if you, you guys might be too young to have seen chasing amy but where they draw the you know 20 dollars bill in the middle of the street and up here is you know the republican party uh, an, an effective republican party of florida over here is a effective democratic part um, De florida democrats and here's santa claus and the easter bunny and which one gets the 20 bucks it's the republicans because the other three don't fucking exist mm -hmm. And like that is, I mean, I butchered the joke, but like that is kind of how it feels. It feels like like rooting for the fucking Easter. It is, it is the eternal. It's, it's the, the real contest of sides is basically I see it the Republicans versus the Democrats over the past twenty years since Jeb Bush, right? Since nineteen ninety eight, has been a battle of something versus nothing. T, how do you how do you harness like okay, we're outlining a problem here, and when you like look at the solution set, how do you harness that um, heat that you have right now or that that your group that this group that you're part of has that gerald, gerald mentioned a moment ago about like you know the media the spotlight the little you know short attention span adderall ridden media brain for just a second it's paying attention the to you like matters. how <laughs> yeah like yeah i mean how do you how do you harness that and and, and make something useful out of this moment right yeah now? i mean i see my role a lot as a communicator so just like trying to inform the public through my modest platforms about everything that's fucked up in the state and how they're getting screwed over. I think there's like very, very good, like elected officials in the Florida democratic party and some really shitty ones, but structurally the party is so bad. You know what I mean? And it's just, again, like we've talked about it. It's a consultant cartel. It's an ATM for, you know, again, consultants and political operatives and grifters who are, you know, just, mooching off of this money without delivering any fail sons and fail daughters yeah. that are be getting put the, in positions the, yeah. the leadership uh election process uh, or election process in the florida democratic party is from the day of the dixiecrats where power is concentrated in terms of like the voting allocation to make decisions within the hands of a very select group of people that maintain the status quo because quite frankly they're benefiting from it both financially and politically uh so it's it, it it's very difficult, you know, 
but you know we have to reform it you know and i think uh, it, it 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 involves reforming both the rules of the florida democratic party and cleaning house off of all these like ineffective grifters another thing you know i used to work with the for the service employees international union at the at what's called the state council which is basically like the umbrella that connects all the different un, uh, local unions that work you know in like hospitals and the airports you know and represent janitors you know they're like sort of like the overarching structure and we had a really good program back in like 2016 2017 uh where you had like regional teams you had a, a team in miami-dade in broward in hillsborough county in pinellas in in duval and like the big areas and they had a handful of different organizers that focus in different areas of those counties with like an organizing lead and they were there year round. We were there year round working on community issues. You know what I mean? Political, they, they could be political issues, right? Like political campaigns, but they were also like, it could be like, you know, talking to the community and finding out that they need a new park, right? Or like, uh, I don't know, like coverings in like bus stops, right? For people that were like workers yeah. that were like having to stand under the sun waiting for the bus. Could be a myriad of things. But the, the thing is, we were there year round talking to people organizing not them but with them and then during election time of course we would mobilize to support the uh, candidates that the union endorsed but that was not our main purpose you know what I mean? our main purpose was to create community a community union is what we called it a community presence and we would tap in a lot of like the the the, the worker union members from the local to come canvas with us and support our, our things both wh whether we had like action supporting you know an issue or a campaign or to come canvas when we were supporting an electoral candidate and the reason why i bring this up is and ryan you've been involved with the florida democratic party too a lot of like the way that like the florida democratic party staffs and organizers and uh, organizes their their organizing is through hiring you know like organizers to do like an electoral cycle, right? They'll, they'll, they'll hire them five months, four months before an election at best, and they'll just have them sign up people for vote by mail and, or register them to vote, right? Or, or do get out to vote. And within three months of an election, you don't really build like a relationship with anybody. You're not known. That's no that window. Community. That window is so small. As, yeah. as, as somebody, you know, that's like trusted and looking out for people, you're just, just kind of seen as a nuisance a lot of the time. And people kind of roll their eyes at you. Um, so I think that the Florida Democratic Party needs to move towards that model, right? Of like hiring good organizers, giving them the tools to succeed, good pay, good benefits, trying to cap the turnover. Because that's another problem at the FTP. So much turnover. I mean, you see like new faces of organizers every year. And I don't blame the organizers. Of course, they want to go and get other jobs and they're hired seasonally. It's not, it's not the organizer's fault and the staff. It's how everything is structured. But we really need to move again. It's a cliche, but to year-round organizing, you know, retaining the staff, creating presence for them, you know, having them be trusted in the community and not just, again, I'm not like discounting the electoral, going back to like something that we talked about earlier in the podcast, but it can't just be that, you know what I mean? We are in politics and we work in elections because we want to gain power to affect change and drive a political agenda. I don't know about me, I don't know about y'all, but I'm really not in this just for power's sake. You know what I mean? I want to get something done. 
And what I want to get done, I think, helps people, you know, helps working people. Uh, but I, I haven't seen that happen at the Florida Democratic Party. I haven't seen that rigor and discipline in terms of how we structure uh, our infrastructure. Yeah, I, I haven't either. As someone who's worked in the building um, and worked around it for years, I remember hearing something about opening regional offices to have build these kind of relationships like Tomas talks about um, probably for the first time, maybe the 2014 cycle or before. Um, that's never come to pass. Um, we see a structure, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse uh, talking about the state party. Uh, maybe that's a double entendre. But, um, you know, there seems to be these you have elections with leaders, uh, legislative leaders, and you basically have the legislative leaders are often basically function as kind of a, a stalking horse for one set of consultants versus another. So you have these roving warlords that trade that, that trades, you know, trade seats back and forth. And there's nothing contiguous. There's nothing that builds upon itself. You know, data is from things as simple as sharing data from one campaign to another. Um, there's just a me, 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 me. I'm, 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 I'm my own little warlord. I'm the king of my tiny little hill. Um, and it doesn't feed to a general good. Whereas, you know, for better or for worse, the Republicans, you know, in Tallahassee, I, on, they have a George Bush Center. And that place is like a, 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 a humming a hive of people that are looking at every single municipal race, every single county race, every single swingy legislative race and putting in a, a year after year iterative um, effort. Up here, we have a Republican from Leon County in the state Senate for the first time in modern history. How'd they do it? Well, in 2020, they put together a candidate that lost. And I think most people understood that they would lose, but they kind of cracked some people. Uh, they, they, they went in a, in a, in a, in a smart uh, strategic demographic direction with that last candidate and they built on that kind of weakening i've never seen one losing democratic candidate in a legislative race intentionally try to help the person who comes after them if anything there's a lot of resentment in competition uh you know sometimes the the smaller the stakes the nastier the infighting and i think you see that a lot on, on our side the the thing that feels the thing that feels so hopeless and crazy making to somebody like me who's um a little bit more removed from the innards of this process than the two of you guys are is like how I think of like all those, those, those wins that you kind of run down and like making those things, making, making, making that effort that Tomas was talking about that takes more than just three months. It's like, you have to build this Rube Goldberg machine of engagement. And meanwhile, the other side, the press secretary for the governor just literally tweets the word groomer one time and every single right winger, is immediately message discipline. Like, yeah, every you, oh, if you're a Democrat, you're a groomer. In 24 hours, it became like that all-encompassing. And I just, I gotta it, say, I like fucking, I admire the, the 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 message discipline and the ability to fucking to to coalesce like that. It's like, goddamn, you guys should be fucking socialists as good as you are. And it's it's, it's infuriating to see the inability for the communication to come together and really impact and, and, and echo and, you know, become louder and bigger and build on itself. I'll push back a little bit. I, I get what you're saying. And it's true in this, like the last couple of years and in, you know, in, in, in the last couple of cycles, but the Republicans fight like a fucking lot. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people will say that like, Oh, the Republicans. Well, shit, yeah, you're right. Look now, them. look right now. No, yeah. they fucking don't like all throughout Rick Scott's tenure. You know, which he was reelected. By the way, he served eight years as governor. Like he was in open warfare against the legislature. Him and the legislature were did not get along. 
to the point that Rick Scott operated pretty much outside of the Republican Party of Florida infrastructure. I mean, the guy is like worth hundreds of millions of dollars, I think $400 million. He'd signed himself a $70 million check and built his own party because he just was a psycho and all he wanted to do was being an elected office. We have a whole episode about this. But, you know, and, but they still won because it's it's like, it's like what Ryan was saying, right? Like the actual party operatives and the infrastructure is built and cohesive aside from like the political infighting by the warlords that he was referencing, right? It, look at like how DeSantis became governor. I mean, DeSantis became governor as an insurgent candidate propelled by Donald Trump, obviously, who defeated the anointed one, Adam Putnam, who was the, the chosen candidate of the RPO yeah, the and wanted, the voter Republican right. establishment. And now that he is the uh, RPOF Republican establishment candidate for president, really like the Republican establishment nationally, right. he's Nationally, in the middle yeah. of a fucking like GOP civil war against Donald Trump, who's absolutely demolishing him and cutting him. And we also have an episode on this. So again, I just say this because I, I do want the listener to be aware that like, like political parties inherently have tension and conflict and discussion and that's a good thing that's but good like, yeah they also have to get to fucking work at a certain point and win you know what i mean they like at the end of the day they have to elect their candidates and win power that's why they're a political party and the republicans in florida at least to our detriment and to the detriment of just i think any floridian really they they get the job done yeah I mean, the, the, they're vipers, right? Like, and you're right. They will snake each other at any given moment. Like, if it, if it means one, I mean, like, the, the three nationally elected biggest, you know, largest uh, profile Republicans in the state, all three of them hate each other and are rarely they ever fil- uh, photographed together. Yeah. So it's not like it's some kumbaya, everybody gets along. What they what they coalesce over is their hatred. Going back to the to the groomer example, if they all hate the same person, or the same group yeah. or the same marginalized community they can you know what i can i can break bread with you over hating trans people over hating um you know the parents of of uh, of lgbtq kids or just like, parents that, <laughs> yeah, broadly, yeah. if you have the temerity to try to send your kid to public school we fucking hate you if you have a uterus forget it um, I think we would be doing the listeners a disservice to you if we didn't like have you at least close us out on um, and you too, Ryan, actually, if you could, like something actionable. I think that people see the kind of stuff that happened last night. And um, f- for those who, um, for whom it resonates with, have no way, no understanding or no like clear path to like getting started. Like, fuck, I want to do that. I want to be taking a dump on DeSantis's desk, like, I, which you didn't regrettably do. But um, like, like what 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 is the actionable steps for somebody to get involved and to be able to i know there's and we don't want to be these like oh vote make sure you show up and vote yeah it's like okay great yeah great but like we need to do more than that right so so where can people start well so um yeah i'll start off by i actually you know i was so disappointed in um in november's elections that I did something. You talked about how I made a classic, uh, a classic mistake, a classic life mistake by becoming a podcaster. I have. I also made an even bigger blunder by becoming chair of my local county party. Uh, I ran for Leon County DEC chair in one in, in December, and so I'm directly, um, I'm directely intervening here. You know, Leon is a blue county. We're a blue dot up here. It's a, co- a liberal college town with a lot of state workers and a lot of um, 
you know, communal civic minded people. Um, the election, the election night joke about the election night joke about Leon County is always like somebody posting a picture of it and being like, this is me at Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> like, it's just like, <laughs> that's right. But, um, so I, I, I felt like we needed to run up the score even more. Obviously we're always blue. You know, I think we voted for Obama like 68% or something in 2012 and that's about where we're at, but, um, we need to run up the score. And so I've been working with my little sort of progressive local government insurgency with commissioners Jeremy Matlow, Jack Porter and others. And I decided to step up and, and become part of that and, and push our party in, in a better direction. And so far, you know, we, we brought the party back in person for the first time in years. And we had Rich Templin uh, from the AFL-CIO take us to church in our first meeting. Last month, we had uh, Ana Eskamani um, just give, I just like, a 30 minute exegesis. I felt like I was watching, you know, Miles Davis in his prime, just going off at the height of her powers. That was amazing. Uh, we had Ion Sancho. Full, full Jimmy Butler. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. She was. She's the Jimmy Buckets of uh, of, of legislative politics. Um, and and just giving people. We had Ion Sancho, who was uh, came to prominence in the 2000 recount. He was a longtime supervisor of elections here. So anyway, just giving people, creating a forum, leading by example, um, and creating, you know, bringing that discourse to to the people. Um, and, and, and giving something, um, kind of, kind of showing people, uh, like, like Tomas says, you know, showing people that, um, there is someone out there, there is a vessel for their disagreement with the status quo, um, and trying to deepen that political discourse. Um, and I think, like I said, it's all out there. The, the majority that we need is out there. It's all about bringing it together and making it operational. So I've made steps to try to do that where, where I can with, with, with the, uh, in the area I have, I have some uh, say so over. Yeah. And, you know, uh, to toot your horn a little bit um like the state party should be like tapping people like ryan and jeremy you know for their know-how i mean you know people ask me where should the, the the florida democratic party start you know right now build a bench you know what i mean go local go very local you know marco rubio when he started out he was just like a punk in the city of west miami commission you know a very tiny commission these folks here in Tallahassee, in the belly of the beast, you know what I mean? In the cesspool that is the state capital, you know what I mean? A disgusting center of lobbyists and corruption and special interest. They've managed to acquire two out of like five city commission seats and could possibly get three in control. You know what I mean? Like that's power. Like that's actually winning. You know, that's getting governing control. Um but going back to your question, David, you know, I think kind of, again, piggybacking what Ryan said, and, you know, you don't have to do it at like take, you know, becoming the chair of like a, a county party right away. I mean, that takes time and effort and organizing and networking, but you got to find a political home. I mean, it sounds basic, but figure out what issue motivates you, whether it's immigration or racial justice or labor rights or reproductive rights, whatever it is, find a political home find an organization, find like-minded people and get involved. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, like message us, contact us and we'll like link you. I mean, we know people from all over the state that work on work, work on these issues. We'll, we'll connect you, but you, you can't do it by yourself. Of course you should post. Of course you should let people know you should make your voice heard with whatever Avenue you have. But at some point, you know, we're posters, like we, we love to post, but at some point, you do have to like step outside and like meet other people and like organize yourself into a force, right? Into 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 a constituency. So I think that's the first step for anybody wanting to 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 um, take action. Find a, find your political home.
you know, I miss the people in Florida, uh, especially Miami. I think I met some of the best people I've ever going to meet, but just like th- this, this is not a, a way to live. Just like, th- th- like having to think how much worse can it get? And then it, even that surprises you. This is no way yeah. for anyone to live, you know? So do something guys, like, like Tomas said, um, I mean, I, I just want to say, like, I'm really honored to know you, man. I really am glad. Like, you, you, you're my friend and everything, and I, and it took some courage doing that. It's, I really appreciate it, and I think that people who feel the same way that we do about what's going on in this state appreciate it. You too, speak right? for a so, lot of people, David. Uh, well, likewise, yeah. I mean, you're all uh, com- comrades and friends. It's an honor to know you all too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Uh, I will do it again, uh, and we have to do it because, uh, again, these people are ruining our states and they're ruining people's lives and we we just have to say enough so get some rest go, go lay down go get get a little bit of get a little bit of shut eye go touch some posting. grass if you're listening to us right now download uh subscribe uh to um to ryan's patreon which is a uh, tropical depression uh fla.com uh, wait what's let me i don't have it yeah, right in front uh, of me what's job. url again yeah we're, we're getting it together tropical depression fl.com you can check us out on Twitter yeah. uh, at Ryan Ray FLA uh, is my Twitter TD underscore FLA on, on Twitter. Um, Tropical depression, FL.com. Really appreciate um, Really appreciate you generously uh, sharing that. And for uh, sure. And yeah, like I said, we really, um, most people, I think take heart. Most people disagree with what's going on in the Capitol. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hope you find your keys, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a week uh, hanging out. <laughs>